Good morning, the presence of Jesus. Are you kidding me? It's the greatest thing we've been given. It's our portion in the land of the living. Right? He didn't change his plan in the New Testament. The Levites were given the presence, and we've been given the presence. It's not what I'm going to preach on, but that one was for free. So I was praying for you guys. I was praying for you guys because, you know, the more you, you teach and the more you study, you have a lot of things inside of you that you feel like you could share, but I didn't want to just share just something. I wanted to ask the Lord for something specific for you, and so I was praying, and I was really like, when you're wanting to hear something so bad because you love people so much, you know, Lord, give me something for them. Would you give me something for them? And so I just started thanking the Lord for you guys. I just was thanking the Lord for Joe and for Janice and for Jeff and for Bree and for this church. And uh, the Lord took me into this crazy thing that had nothing to do with a sermon that I thought. It just was like a personal inner healing time. that I was like, how did we end up here? I have no idea. I've had that happen before. I'm praying for one thing, and then the Lord's like, hey, I want to heal your heart. And I was like, oh, okay, go for it. Um, so I was praying, and then the, um, the Lord asked me, so I, so I was praying for you guys, and then all of a sudden I ended up in this space, and I felt like I wanted to ask the Lord who he says I am. So this sounds like it's very personal to me, but it will get to where we are today. So I asked the Lord, like, what do you see in me? Who do you say I am? And I gave him a list of, like, where we're going. When you live by faith, there's lots of questions like, is this okay? Are we where we're supposed to be? Anyone have those questions before? Just me. Um, and I, I, so I just asked the Lord, like, who do you say I am? And I was expecting some answer of all of these lists of things that I was, and all, all of a sudden this huge word like popped up in my mind's eye and it just said, friend. And I was like, you know, it like caught me so off guard. And then I just started crying like a baby because how can the creator of the universe who we come to with so many questions and we, we desire so many answers from him and we want to know so many things and there's so much stuff going on in life. And he says, friend, and then immediately the story of Abraham came to me. And so I want to share a little bit of the story of Abraham this morning from Hebrews 11, just a few observations, and I hope it's encouraging to you that everyone in this room, somehow he comes to us personally, the God of the universe, right? He's not a God of an individual. He is a God of a people, but he still has this ability to be present with us individually and say things like, I call you friend. Right? Jesus said, no longer do I, you're not called servants, I call you friends. Because servants don't know what's on the heart of the master. But I've called you friends, right? So there's something, we've been invited into this place of intimacy with Jesus. So as Pastor Joe was saying, uh, my wife and I live by faith. Um, I think we always live by faith, but then it feels like that journey keeps stretching us more and more. <laughs> I thought I was living by faith until the Lord said, hey, how about this? And then I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then it feels like it keeps increasing the crazy as we go. So we used to live in Los Angeles, California. Um, and about three years ago, the Lord told us that a transition was coming. All of our families in Southern California, Pasadena International House of Prayer, all of the stuff that we were doing, all of the ministry things that we were doing, they all existed in California. And uh, we felt like the Lord called us 
um, to leave our home and to go someplace we didn't know. And the Lord used Genesis 12. So Abraham's very dear to us. Like, um, And so I'm just going to share a little bit of this. These are just a couple of questions I asked um, when the Lord was bringing up Abraham to me. And I just said, Lord, what is it about Abraham that so connects with me? I just love this guy. And I hope you guys love him too this morning. I'm sure some of you love him. I'm sure it's the feeling of the future not being clear. Amen? Anyone? <laughs> we all can raise our hands with it. I'm sure it's making steps of faith and not knowing what is on the other side. I'm sure there's some adventure in there. I'm an adventurous, you know. When we stepped out to leave our home and come to Tennessee, I took a buddy of mine who's kind of a nominal believer. He's coming back to the Lord, but he drove with me in this truck from California to Tennessee. And while we're driving into this city called Spring Hill, Tennessee, I'd never been there before. I'd never seen the house before. <laughs> and I have a truck full of all of our stuff. And then my buddy's like, this is crazy. And I was like, I know, you know. <laughs> There's, you got to have a sense of adventure when you're following the Lord. We could very easily despair if we didn't view it as adventure, right? There's a sense of adventure that Abraham has. I love that. I'm sure there's something about you as eternal God that is in there. The promise is given to Abraham. I think about this all the time in the context of prophetic culture today. Everyone gets a word and thinks it's happening tomorrow. Abraham gets a word that won't be fulfilled in his generation. I don't remember the last time I went to a conference that they were like, come get a 500-year word. <laughs> that place would be empty. Right? That's kind of sad, but that's true. And this is the God we serve. He is the God of the 500-year word. He is the God that in the fall, in Genesis 2, the promise fulfilled is 4,000 years later. He reveals who he is in the man Abraham. Your people will be slaves in a land, not their own, for 400 years. Right? That sounds really cool when we read <laughs> Moses and you're like, yes, deliverance. But what if you're in that first 100 years? I sure hope that was right. <laughs> you know, having a sit-down dinner with your kids before you go. So, guys... <laughs> We won't really know if this was real for another 300 years and, you know, just keep pressing on. You know, <laughs> the church, the New Testament church has been in existence over 2,000 years and we're still here waiting on the fulfillment. God is not late. He's eternal. And if we don't see fulfillment of the promises in our day and age because we serve an eternal God, my son and daughter inherit my promises. My grandchildren inherit my promises. We have such a Western view of God that if it doesn't come to pass in our day and age, we think he failed us. No, he's just being him. He's eternal. He's not bound by time. Amen? I love this about Abraham. We haven't even got to scriptures just talking about this guy. Promises that were given to Abraham were so big they couldn't be fulfilled in his lifetime. And people that were living at the same time as him could look at him, his life, a gypsy, proclaiming that a land would become his. And he would have multiplied offspring as a man with no children. This is our faith that we've inherited. 
It's this crazy. Right when Pastor Joe was was preaching, was praying, it was preaching to me. When he was praying this morning and saying, this isn't our home. I love the United States of America. I also really love Europe. (laughs) But I really love the kingdom. And the things that I love about all these places are the things that remind me of home. The things that I love about the United States are the things that are kingdom. And the things I love about Europe, it's not, it's all of those little things that the Lord has hidden in the earth to say, you're not from here. You're from someplace else, right? So we get to be like Abraham. (laughs) A gypsy, yes, amen. He ends his life still living in a tent with one son from Sarah. That's how it's done. He didn't have the fulfillment, right? This looks like foolishness. Maybe it's the foolishness that draws me to him as well. I feel like I'm drawn to those things that others would be called foolish or wasteful. I'm part of the prayer movement. I sit in an empty room singing to an invisible God and believe that somehow it's transforming my city. I am fully convinced that a people sitting at the feet of Jesus, singing his name, can change a city. That's crazy. I was thinking when these students were up here today, and, we, and I'm so excited for you guys and what the Lord's going to do in these next weeks for you. But the truth of the matter is what you're living out in this next month is the church. And we're like, isn't this great that they get to experience this intensive? Invitation to everyone. You've been invited into a life intensive, right? Book of Acts, you guys, daily in the temple, every night in the house. And we're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? These people working full-time crazy jobs. They weren't like full-time itinerant ministers. They were like farmers and fishermen that found a way to the temple every day and found their way to their friends' homes every night because they had found Jesus. Be encouraged. Amen. (laughs) All right, here we go. Yes, okay, this is where we're going. Romans 4, 16 through 21. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. Isn't this crazy? Paul is saying that you and I believing on Jesus, trusting in the word, We have inherited the faith that Abraham had in Genesis. We are actually connected to that faith. When God comes to Abraham and says, your offspring, count the stars. This is how many offspring you're going to have. Abraham with no children, right? So when we say Jesus is the son of God and we receive him and we believe that he's died and raised again and he's coming soon, we have stepped into that faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into, the be- into being those, those things that were not. Amen. I love that. We use that verse so many times. <laughs> oh, this is great. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said about him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. 
This is encouraging. I mean, we focus so much on the next generation, but I just want to speak to the older generation today and say it's not too late. Abraham saw fulfillment at 100 years old. Anyone 100 in the room? <laughs> I was like, maybe there is. You know. <laughs> This is so encouraging to me. I can prophesy to you if you're 60 years old and say, it's coming. I can prophesy to you when you're 70 and say, it's coming. This is the God we serve. It's not like, well, they did that back then because people live longer and that's just how it was. No. God is not on our timeline. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. This first observation I have from the life of Abraham is, well, I gave you a bunch of observations, but this is the first for real one. Our story, our story is better when it's told by the author. You read this and you're like, whoa, that's such a radical story. Yeah, he did not waver in unbelief. This is Paul telling Abraham's story through the lens of the Holy Spirit, right? And he says, Abraham never wavered. Well, I have the book of Genesis that says that maybe he did a couple times. There's this whole Hagar-Ishmael thing that went down. It might be a little bit of an evidence that he wavered slightly, you know? So we can be encouraged by this and knowing that in those spaces in our lives where we've had doubt or we've wavered, if we set our hearts on God and if we believe in him and his promise, even in those moments of doubt, when the Lord tells us our story back, he'll be like, I love you. I love you. You never wavered. Isn't that encouraging? When all is said and done, when it all goes down to it and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. His, our story sounds so much better when it's told by the Lord. And I just want to encourage you today, if you're in a season where it's been difficult or there's been like some things that you've been walking through, ask the Lord, tell me my story. What is this like to you? What chapter is this to you? How, how is what I'm going through looking like to you? Amen. Just like when I asked the Lord, was so weird. Who do you say I am? In the middle of like praying for you guys, and the Lord was like, friend. Right? Awesome. Hebrews 11, 1. How are we doing? Okay. I like to check the time. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. We jump down to verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to know where you're going. Sometimes it's nice. Like, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to lunch and I need to know where lunch is, it's good to know where you're going. But there's some, like, bigger questions we spend so much time sometimes trying to figure out where it's all going that we actually neglect daily things, right? I read this book one time called, um, and you guys could check this out if you want. It's called The Will of God is the Way of Life. 
and it talks about the hidden will of God and the revealed will of God, right? So the hidden will of God is all of these things that we're like, I don't know, what does it mean? Where are we going, right? <laughs> those are all of the questions. And the Lord can choose to reveal those things as many of you have experienced in times of prayer or in times of receiving prayer. But then there's this whole thing <laughs> called the Bible <laughs> that is the revealed will of God. He's already revealed. And when I was studying this, I was just like, man, there is so much he's revealed to do that if I just did that, I wouldn't have much time to ask about like, well, what does this mean, right? If I was taking care of the poor or praying or worshiping or studying the word or reaching out and taking care of the widow or all of these things that have been revealed to me in scripture that are part of Christianity that Paul actually says is true religion. If I gave myself to those things, I wouldn't really have much time to be like, but what is my life about? <laughs> but what does it all mean? And what's my destiny, right? Well, I have, I'll solve that for you all today. Our destiny is to look like Jesus. And if at the, my last dying breath, I look more like Jesus than I did today, I've been successful. Amen? <sighs> By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Right, Joe? He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. His son and his grandson did not see the promise fulfilled. And they lived in tents in the place that was their promised land. Are we content? Can we be okay if we don't see the fulfillment of our promises in our day? I'm not like trying to start a thing about like, we're never going to see it. That's not what this is about. <laughs> what this is about is our heart posture. Because the truth is when things, don't, when things don't come to fulfillment, we can put God on trial. And say, you didn't do this for me. I thought you were a good God. And then we get really weird theology. <laughs> right? Well, he will do it because he is a good God. Well, okay. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? And they're in slavery for 400 years. Like, what are you? We look at those things and they're in the past so we can read them like this plus this plus this equals that and make a formula out of it. But when you're in the 200th year of captivity in Egypt, this isn't that for you. And all you have is a prophetic word from that person before you that was handed down from generation to generation. And you're in Egypt and you're like, well, son, daughter, hold on. Pass this to your children because a day is coming when the deliverer will come. Amen? I've, I think there's like a weird romantic in me, I think. I think that feels very romantic to me. I, I love fulfillment, but there's something that's so beautiful to me to think I could give my life to something that would impact a generation two generations from now. I don't know. I, I feel such like a, oh, that's so beautiful, God. That I could sow my life into this earth like so many before me. 
and one day the fulfillment will come. When called to go, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Amen. So the second observation, right? We just said our story is better when told by the author. The second observation is leaving what is familiar. And I'm not going to start preaching a message of like, everyone must move. (laughs) It'd be like the worst thing. I would never get asked back to preach at a church. Today, we're going to talk about leaving. (laughs) No, but leaving what is familiar. Even if we're not leaving geographically, the Lord is calling us out of familiarity today. There is a way we relate to God. There is a way we do things with God that's a pattern that sometimes isn't healthy. And the Lord is saying, come out from everything you know and go to a place I will show you. Amen? Leaving what is familiar, this doesn't necessarily mean moving away. I said that. Amen. Somewhere geographically, yes, I said that. Okay. Even patterns of relating to God, even patterns of relating to friends, to family, we could stay or we could obey and go. I remember this season, the Lord's so gracious to us to work through vices. Anyone have vices? Okay. Um, He's so gracious to us. And the Lord systematically, at least for me, he moves. He knows if we tried to tackle them all at the same time, I'd be overwhelmed. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, I have to do everything different. So he goes like one thing at a time, one thing at a time, right? And some of you, I think I might have said this before, but some of you know um, he's taken bread away from me. He hasn't like stolen it, but he asked if I would like not <laughs> eat bread. Um, and this was part of this weird thing. Like I, there was a season where I was emotionally eating, um, where I would, I would actually sit down. This is frightening when I think about this. I would sit down to a cheeseburger And we were going through, some of you guys know our story, we were going through some barrenness things. We were having a rough time having children, and I was self-medicating in multiple ways, but one of the ways I was doing this was food. And I would actually sit down to the lunch table with a cheeseburger, and I was like, I'm going to eat this cheeseburger so I feel better. I said it out of my mouth. (laughs) It's crazy. And I would eat the cheeseburger, and I'm going to be honest with you, in that moment at a good cheeseburger, I felt pretty good. You know, and then like I love clothes and I couldn't fit in clothes and that was making me sad. Anyway, (laughs) so I went I went through a fast and the Lord, I gave up bread and these things. And at the end of the fast, I felt like the Lord said, "Um, uh, how about maybe you just don't eat that stuff anymore? And I was like, how long, you know, (laughs) and he was, I love food and uh and the Lord was like, how about maybe you just don't eat that stuff anymore? And so I told my wife, who then told me I had to alter it a little bit because we celebrate with food. And so I have to have dessert on her birthday and on my birthday because we like to celebrate. Um, but I haven't eaten bread in seven years. So anyway, when this first transpired, I was out on a run. I The Lord had just kind of released me from this weird eating thing that was going on. Um, And I was on a run and I started moaning. I was like, oh, (laughs) I was actually, and it wasn't because of the running pain. It was like a pain inside. I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) And then I asked the Lord, I was like, what's going on? And he's like, that's that pain that you've been eating for, that you haven't felt because you've been medicating. And now there's room for me to come and heal you. And I was like, oh. (laughs) There's patterns in our lives that the Lord wants to get us out of. 
And he's inviting us today. Come out. Let me, I'm going to take you to a land you don't know. I'm going to take you to a way with me that you've never experienced before. Amen? Leaving what's familiar. And that, I mean, that was just an example of patterns and things like that. But there's patterns in the ways we relate to one another, in the ways we relate to God, right? Even in that thing, I would self-medicate, and then I would come to the Lord and ask forgiveness for self-medicating, and then I never got healed. Because the Lord is so gracious to forgive, and his forgiveness feels so great. I thought I got healed, but I just got forgiven. (laughs) I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry that I ate to feed my pain. And then he was like, I love you. And I was like, oh, man, that feels so great. And then I thought, that was my pattern. That's actually how I related to God. I would stumble and then ask for forgiveness. He's so sweet to come and forgive. It felt so great. I forgot about the pain. So some of us today, I believe this. I wasn't thinking this is where we would camp. But I believe this. There's some of us here today that the Lord wants to call out of patterns, and he's going to do it. He just simply invited me. Hey, stop doing that. Okay. (laughs) That sounds good. I felt better. I lost 60 pounds in like a year. It didn't happen overnight, right? Amen. I always tease because I started the prayer movement and I weighed 24-7. I felt it was prophetic. (laughs) I was like, Lord, you know me so well. I would weigh 247 pounds. Okay. (laughs) Hebrews 11, 10 through 12 says, For he was looking for the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I love this. When Joe said this today, this is what I'm looking for. I'm telling you, me personally, right now, this is what I'm looking for. I keep thinking I'm going to find it in an organization. Or I keep thinking I'm going to find it in a group of people, and I feel like I touch it a little bit. But this is what I'm looking for, the city. Amen. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, (laughs) poor Sarah, they talk about her so bad. She was super old. She couldn't have no babies. I'm just like, (laughs) and then like you read Genesis and it's like who, and even Abraham is like, Lord, my wife is so old. And I'm like, dude, the king still thought she was pretty attractive. That's just inside. Okay. Wasn't able to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead, right? Poor Abraham. Came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Okay, so we had our stories better when it's told by the author, leaving what's familiar, and this next one. Faith tested in the waiting. We love that. (laughs) I think about this sometimes. My daughter, like... My daughter was exhibiting this just the other day. She's seven years old. Her name's Lily. She's like the most beautiful thing on the planet next to my wife. My wife's the original beauty, and then she just copied her. Um, and uh, she, I was talking about something, and Karen and I were talking about something, and she was like, just look it up. Just look it up. <laughs> like, we wanted the answer. And Karen and I were having like an old-fashioned dialogue about what it was. <laughs> and Lily was like, just look it up. Just look it up. <laughs> and I was like, man, we need to break that. <laughs> like This immediate thing, we have such an immediate problem, right? 
There was a day where we had to actually go to a library <laughs> and look something up. And now kids are like, what? Who's that actor? Like, I mean, I used to have to call people and be like, who's the actor that was in this film? You know, that we'd have to have a dialogue. And now they're just like, IMDb. <laughs> we have a problem about immediate things, immediate access to things. And we as the church need to look different. We need to retrain ourselves. It's not just simply like, oh, no, we can use this technology and it won't affect us. Yes, it will affect you. <laughs> it will affect you. If you have immediate access to things, you're going to judge God and say, you're not as good as Google. I asked you for this search and you didn't hit me till 10 years. We have to retrain our brains. This is not kingdom. I've had so many people talk to me about heaven and be like, and you can get somewhere in an instant and you close your eyes and you're there. And I was like, why? It's eternity. Take a walk. Do you think, do you think that when we cross to the other side, everything becomes mo like instantaneous? He is the God of the universe. He's eternal. He loves to take time. We're training ourselves to have immediate answers. And this is not God. Because character development can't happen in a moment. I've said this before. You cannot get imparted 10 years of history with Jesus. Come to the front and I'll lay hands on you and you'll have 10 years of history with Jesus. No, the only way to have 10 years of history with Jesus is to live 10 years waiting on Jesus. Sometimes those answers, those search, those search engines with the Lord, like, what is this? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, friend, friend, like that sounds like a pretty immediate response, but there's so much wrapped up in that. The Lord tapped into 20 years of history. It took 20 years of history for him to say that to me and have it mean something to me. If he would have told me that when I was my little 21-year-old self that just came to know the Lord and he would have spoke friend to me, I would have been like, sweet. I know what friend means. That's so cool. It's like my buddy, you know? But friend is like when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he turns to his buddies and he's like, will you stay with me? Will you wait with me just an hour? You know? Friends. You know, they call Abraham the friend of God. And do you know what the Lord, by his grace, allowed Abraham to feel? The death of his son. He's like, I love you so much. I'm going to share with you what I'm going to do to redeem mankind. And you will feel the same pain that I will feel. Friend. Right? I want to know him in the power of the resurrection and share in the fellowship of his suffering. Right? These words mean something when long periods of time transpire. When I tell my wife, I love you now, it's very different than when we got married. Hopefully, <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. No, you know what I mean? Like those, when you have relationship with someone, they can say something and it will trigger a million things in you. Oh, man. 
Are we okay? What time is it? <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> I love this. 75 years, at 75 years old, the Lord promised Abraham, you will have a son. At 86 years old, 11 years later, God bless him. It took him 11 years to have Ishmael, right? If it was us, we would have had Ishmael like year two. <laughs> I guess this isn't happening. I mean, at least he waited 11 years, right? 86 years, the birth of Ishmael. If that wasn't enough, 14 more years happened before he had Isaac. 25 years from the promise. And he wasn't a young buck, as like the Bible keeps saying, who is old and like past his time. Like, dang, Abraham can't get a break. First Peter three, uh, First Peter one three through ten. I'm not going to read that, but this is all about that faith being tested. You know that our the substance of faith, the Lord loves to allow us to wait so that He knows we really believe Him. Because if I just if He just kept giving it every time we asked, we wouldn't think there was a relationship tied to it. We just had to ask it a certain way or use the magic word or say it this way or declare it this way. And if we declare it this way, then we know it's going to happen, you know. And then the Lord's like, just know me. I'm in. Uh, this is a list of people who had to wait. <laughs> Joseph, it is final two years, right? This poor kid, like, being thrown in a jail and, like, we, it's so been glamorized thanks to Andrew Lloyd Webber, which I love the musical. Um but it's been so glamorized, but that guy was like in the dungeon, in the jail, like as a slave. And then the final two years, he's about to get out. And then he waits two more years. Like I, he has his chance. The cupbearer knows what's up. He's like, tell Pharaoh about me. Right. It was it. And then two more years. Like the Lord just loves to wait. Children of Israel in Egypt for 400 years. Hannah waiting for a child, the birth of Samuel. David anointed to be king. And then he ran for his life. <laughs> For all those years before he was king. Israel in captivity in Babylon, 70 years. Jesus arriving, 4,000 years. Disciples waiting for him in Pentecost, that was 40 days. That was a quick one. But if you think about it historically, it wasn't that quick. <laughs> when you're in the generation where it gets poured out, it feels really quick. But when you're in the generations leading up to that, Azusa Street was great. But there were generations that didn't experience Azusa Street. And people who sowed their prayers into that space that allowed that to come forward. And if we just take those moments as a formula for who God is, we'll miss it. Amen. I'm wrapping up. Okay. This is my last observation. Are you guys all right? Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Praise God. This is my hope. That with my last dying breath, I'll be like, I still believe you could do it all. Right? That's how I want my children to see that in their dad. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers in the land. Joe, that was, come on. People who say such things show that they are not looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of their own country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the last observation. The idea of never arriving. That's what I see in Abraham. We have a weird culture of arrival. Like when we hit a certain point, you know, 
when you're a single young adult and you're like, man, it's going to be so great when I get married <laughs> or when I get that job, it will be so great. Or if you've been called to ministry and you're like, when I'm full-time ministry, then it's going to be this. Or when it's this, then it's going to be this. We just have that. Anyone have that culture? I have that in me, right? But when we see in Abraham and what the Lord wants to even share with us today is the idea of like on this side of eternity, there's going to be a restlessness of saying, it's just not here yet. That's not it. So be encouraged, right? You're like, that's the worst thing ever. Be encouraged. If there's that sense of there has to be more, the answer is there is more. And as much as we encounter Jesus now in his presence, he's so faithful. It's almost like we can feel him. It's almost like we can see him. Whoa, <laughs> I just fell. It's almost like we can see him. As great as that is, it's nothing compared when he, to when he comes in his fullness. He's that good. Think about your greatest moment in worship where you experience the presence of Jesus. Multiply that by like quad million or whatever. Make some made up word. And that's going to be what it's going to be like when he comes. Amen. Jeff, if you come up, is that right? The idea of arriving and that one day it will be like this. And one day when this happens, when I get married, when I get this job, when my position of authority, when it's my turn to lead, the idea of destination on this side of eternity is illusion. Abraham went to where God had sent him and then was promised something that he never saw in his lifetime and breathed his last breath believing that it was true. There will be seasons and promises that are fulfilled. Amen? There will be seasons of this. But those promises fulfilled are just signposts pointing that he is faithful to actually fulfill the ultimate promise. When you have a word over your life that comes to fruition and it's going to happen, God is that good. There's things that he's promised you today that you will experience in your lifetime. But when you experience it, that wasn't the point. The point was for him to get you to believe that one day Jesus is coming again. And when he said it, it's real and it's going to happen. Amen? So would you guys stand with me? I just felt when we got to that one point, um, leaving what's familiar, I just really felt like that, that, was, the, that was the response we have today. And so I just want to invite the prayer teams. Is that, can I do that? <laughs> you got to check and make sure you could do some of these things. If the prayer team will come forward, if that's you, if you just are in a season of just familiarity or something, a pattern that's in your life that feels like, I mean, I, this feels like the most generic word ever because I feel like I could say this and we would all raise our hands. We're all in process. The Lord is redeeming different parts of our lives He's talking to us patiently through all of these different areas. And if there's just one that's been highlighted to you in this season, I just want you to come forward. We're going to worship for a little bit. I just want you to come forward and just say, I just need help. Help me leave what's familiar. Or if you feel like there's just, I don't know what that thing is, but I feel like there's something going on. I would just say, come forward and just ask the Lord. What is that thing? Where are you calling me out of? 
I want to go with you. I don't know. This isn't the moment where we prescribe to you, oh, it's going to look like this. Like the Lord didn't say, come out of um, Ur, wait, Ur, yeah. Come out of Ur and go to this place I'm going to show you. He didn't say it's going to be here. He just said, come out. So I really feel like today the Lord just wants to say that to you. And I'm going to pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your servant, Abraham, who's the father of the faith that we now possess. He took you at your word. And he put his faith in your word. And Jesus, the living word of God, Jesus, the word made flesh, we have that same faith in you, the man Jesus. And we just thank you for calling us into this place. And we give it all to you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, forgive us because so often we get caught up in the instant society that we're in. And I want to thank you for Ryan's word of challenge to us to be steadfast in what you have given us, to be steadfast in the faith that you've called us to walk in. Lord, just let those words be an encouragement to us today. Just let your anointing, Father, rest on each one, Lord, and let these words, God, let us digest them deep in our soul and spirit. Thank you, God.